Hey, Cam. Cam? Oh, Lord, this is going to be a problem. Cam! Dansby throws to first base. Is this happening? It is! The Atlanta Braves are world champions! Welcome to the Chatting Average Podcast, presented by Sports Drink. Here are your hosts, Cam Matthews and Alex Butler. Now you're all in big, big trouble. Welcome to your friendly neighborhood Atlanta Braves podcast. Welcome to Chatting Average. I'm your host, Alex, joined for the very first time by Mr. Tyler Knight. Tyler. How's it going, buddy? You know what? Things are great. It's a Sunday night. There's football on. There's racing on. I know me and Bobby are the only two people that, you know, give a crap about that. But we've had a whole weekend full of football now, and, uh, you know, life could not be better. <laughs> it has been a, a fun weekend of college football. And and speaking of college football, if you haven't yet, be sure to check out Chatting Yardage, the new show from the Chatting Average family. Cam hosts a uh, college football podcast that we just started this past week. I thought the first episode went really great. So if you haven't yet and you're into college football, make sure you go check that out. Um, But yeah, it was a really fun weekend, like keeping up with football and everything. Like you had to to make your way through multiple strokes in the Carolina game, didn't you? Oh boy, that was stressful. That was... Uh, I, Cam and I both went into that one with, with nothing short of absolute fear, um, uh, of, of Appalachian state, especially the fact that we had to play there. And also that we have a defense that would struggle to stop mid-level Georgia high schools. <laughs> um, but anyway, that's a conversation for chatting yardage. There has been... A lot going on in baseball this week, and uh, as as much as we pride ourselves on being an Atlanta Braves podcast, there is a lot going on in New York to talk about. So, obviously, we've been chasing the Mets all season so far. We are still looking up at them, although the gap has gotten much, much smaller. As we're recording this today, the Braves are only one game behind the New York Mets for the NL East lead. With one month to go in the season, this is going to be super exciting. So, you know, we're all waiting for for the Mets collapse. And then uh, I believe it was Friday night, some news came out of New York that Max Scherzer had been pulled from the game. Yeah, he, uh, he did not look happy going in, walking into the tunnel. And Max never looked happy. He's one of those guys that, you know, I picture him in the delivery room, you know, with his kids being born and he's just standing in the corner, uh, you know, right next to Bill Belichick. And they both just look like they just stubbed their toes. Uh, (laughs) But he looked especially uh, irritated uh, walking off the field and down into the tunnel. I'm sorry. Did you say Bill Belichick? Yeah, you know, they Bill Belichick, Nick Saban, and Max Scherzer all kind of have the same disposition. They're oh, just, yeah, yeah. You know, they're, they're just, they don't seem like nice guys. And if Bill Belichick was in the room, I imagine Max is just standing there next to him and they're 
you know, talking about Raisin <laughs> Bran or something. I would, I would love to, to get that round table on television uh, <laughs> of, of Saban, Belichick, and Scherzer. Can you imagine? I mean, I know Nick Saban and Bill Belichick are pretty good buddies, but could you imagine a phone call between the two of them? It's just, it, hey, Bill. Hey, Nick. How you doing? Good. Me and Miss Terry went to the lake this weekend. <laughs> like, I mean, it's just got to be the worst. So – Obviously, for Braves fans, that signaled the beginning of of the traditional Mets collapse. Uh, um, you know, we don't want to we don't want to win the division based on an injury. So it was good to see today that that he's still on track to make his next start. I don't think that's going to hinder us from being able to overtake the Mets. I'm still confident that's a thing we can do. Uh, but at the same time, good to see that Max Scherzer is not not out for an extended period of time. He's making his next start on time. They they labeled it fatigue on his left side. I sounds, I, I have weird. no idea what that means. Yeah, because I mean, I, how, I, how much I, can a, a right-handed pitcher work his left side besides just you know his mechanics? I, I just don't. I don't know well, what it, it's has almost, to be going it's on. Like a hockey injury designation. Right. Like, you know I mean, how in hockey, vague. when they designate injuries, it's upper body injury, lower body injury, yeah. like, and that's it. on yeah. his left side. Yeah. I, I can't imagine his whole body's not fatigued at this point in the season for, what, a 38-year-old man? Yeah. Yeah. And, the, I mean, the even even though he's he's still on track to make his next start on time, what, what this signals to me is maybe Scherzer – has this cutoff point of the season after last year and, and how he looked after that, uh, that last uh, appearance against the giants w- where he came in to close. Maybe there's just a line where he's good up until, I don't know, 175 innings. And then he's mm-hmm. going to fall off after that. I don't it, know, it but it could be heading that direction. This could be somewhat of a, on, on the, part of the Mets organization it could be somewhat of a preservation mechanism just to make sure that he's you know good to go for October and the fact that he's in line to make his next start tells me that you know they're not too concerned about his uh, longevity or anything but it's just like you said with it being such a vague uh, designation for the injury I there's a million different ways we could spin it, but I'm I'm yeah. glad he's on track to make his next start. You never want to see anybody get hurt. Plus, that's one less excuse that Mets fans can make when exactly. they uh, when <laughs> when we take the division. But uh, to to your prior point, Scherzer's like he's the kind of guy that that if a manager comes out to the mound to pull him earlier than he wants to be pulled. Like he's the type of guy I wouldn't be surprised to see throw a punch at the manager in that situation. Oh, so he's the last for, guy I'd want to pull. For for him to pull himself out of the game was mm-hmm. was definitely alarming, and I, I know Met, Mets fans are uh, are happy about that, but wallowing in the sadness of seeing their ten and a half game lead shrink to just one game lead. Yeah, that's uh, it, it's with him taking himself out. You know, Buck has been around for a long time, and Buck is one of those managers that he he seems like one of the guys that's not really afraid of anybody because he's been around for so long. But Max, Max, and Trevor Bauer are the last two guys that you want to have to go out there and get, and uh, it, it had to be a little bit of weight off of Buck's shoulders that he didn't have to go get him. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
Well, that is, uh, that's, that's the end of the discussion for one collapse. Scott for Scott's here. You ever want to grow new grass faster? Kind of like when you press the two times playback button on your podcast so you can speed through episodes. Except it's Scott's turf build a rapid grass. You're speeding your way from a thin and damaged lawn to a thicker, stronger one in just weeks. Bit too fast, maybe slow it down, okay. Let's just go back to normal speed. Get a bag of Scott's Turf Builder Rapid Grass today. It grows grass two times faster than seed alone when applied at the new lawn rate subject to proper care. Feed your lawn. Feed it. I'm Michael Judson Barry. And I'm Paris Nicholson. And we're both influencers. We're also your amazing hosts of The Social Dose, a fabulous new podcast where we serve your weekly dose of social's most important stories. It's like the yassification of news brought to you by us, Paris and Michael. Join us and special correspondence three times a week, every week. So listen to The Social Dose from something else and Sony Music Entertainment. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts in new york city uh but there is another the the new york yankees are absolutely reeling uh if i remember correctly at one point they had like a 21 game lead uh on over second place in the al east uh that has now dwindled to five game lead over the tampa bay rays with the toronto blue jays only six games back and our Baltimore Orioles lurking in fourth, eight and a half games back. So all, there are now, out of nowhere, there are four American League East teams that could conceivably win the division, which I, just blows my mind uh, after the start to the season the Yankees had. It's it's crazy. And, and all of this, while Aaron Judge is still out there hitting home runs at a historic pace. On pace to hit, um, doing the math really quick, 323 home runs by the end of the year. <laughs> he's, it, every day I see a new Aaron Judge tweet, it feels like. Um, but, but yeah, he's up to, I believe he's up to 53 now. Um, yeah. Obviously leading the league um, on track to, to break Roger Maris's New York Yankees record of 62 or 61. Ridiculous. Was it 61? Yeah. Six, 61 or 62, whatever it is. <laughs> But regardless, he's he's going to blow by both of those numbers. But it's it, it's wild to see how how they've fallen off. And now, just today, uh, Andrew Benintendi is going to go to the uh, the injured list, having to get uh, some sort of surgery on his hand. Yeah, you know, so my, they're, my thing would be... go ahead. So they're they're presumably going to have to make this stretch run, trying to hang on to this division lead. Um, with Aaron Hicks as a regular outfielder. And Ooh. I know that's something that Yankees fans are not terribly excited about. No. The one highlight of his career is the the throw he made from uh, right field to third. I forgot who he threw out. And it, it's it's a laser, but he's not somebody that you'd that's want not starting him. every day. Yeah. No, it's not him. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, speaking of our Orioles, they are now only two and a half games back of a wild card spot at 71 and 62. This team is phenomenal. I am all in on the Orioles. Give me an Orioles Braves World Series. I, I need it. Need it like I need air to breathe. Absolutely. <laughs> the Orioles are just one of those teams like and and Cam has said it on here before about the Brewers. The Orioles are one of those teams that you cannot root against. They're just so likable. They're they're 
you know, the Orioles, not so much as the Brewers, but they're sort of America's team because it doesn't seem like they have that one big rival that that fan base that hates them. And uh, right. just, they have a bunch of guys that are easy to root for. They always have been. And uh, yeah, nothing would make me happier than to see see the O's in the playoffs. So, yeah, dating back to August 15th, the Orioles have not lost a series. They've taken series from from the Blue Jays, the Red Sox, the White Sox, the the reigning AL champion Astros, the Guardians, and most recently the Athletics. So uh, these aren't all scrub teams they're beating up on. Like they're actually out there playing contenders and winning games. Yeah, I mean they're they're taking the White Sox, they're taking the Rays, who they need to. You know they need those games, you know, to to put them in contention in the division, um, you know, to try to climb over them. They're taking, like you said, the Astros, and they're not all pushovers like the A's and the uh, the A's and the Red Sox. They're not all, you know, cupcake series that they're taking. They are beating good teams and showing that, you know, if not this year, they belong in by next year. My my. Favorite thing about them is watching them call up their minor leaguers because it seems like it's happened at a clip similar to what we've been seeing from the Braves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we got we got Ryan Mountcastle came up, uh, I believe, to start the season at first base for them, uh, and he's been a positive war player. And then midseason, they call up their their prospect catcher Adley Rutschman, and all he's done is put up three point eight war as a rookie catcher. Good night. Like they have some special pieces there in 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 uh, Baltimore. Cedric Mullins is uh, is is having himself a good season too. Oh yeah, I mean Adley Rutschman is he's ridiculous. He's going to be one of those guys that you know he's gonna he's gonna be a thorn in the side of that division. Uh, assuming he stays in Baltimore, he's going to be a, a thorn in the side of that division for many many years to come. And then Cedric Mullins is really good. Anthony Santander is he can hit the ball 700 feet any given night. So they absolutely they have the, they have the firepower to do it. I, and I just, if any team's going to overtake the Yankees and win the NL East or the, I'm sorry, the AL East this year. <laughs> I, oh man. I would love to see the Yankees fans reactions. Oh, if, if it was, if it was the Orioles, it'd be great. Um, I mean, it would melt down. Oh, Absolutely. But yeah, that is enough of uh, of baseball from today. What do you say we take a look at some uh, some cool moments in baseball from years past? Let's do it. All right, it is time for this week in baseball history. The week we are looking at is September fourth through the tenth. As always, you can find these facts at nationalpastime.com. And first up, we have from September fourth, nineteen twenty eight. The Braves start a streak of playing nine consecutive doubleheaders, establishing a major league record. Boston will drop 14 of the 18 contests played during the Twin Bill Marathon, successively playing the Dodgers, Phillies, Giants, and the Cubs. So these guys played nine doubleheaders in a row, and you're trying to tell me that we couldn't get more than 60 games into 2020? No chance. We're so concerned about our our pampered athletes nowadays. Back when men were men. Yeah, but I mean, these guys were also, you know, scraping the mold off their raw steak in the morning and smoking (laughs) cigarettes in the dugout. So, you know, they they were back in the good old days. Yeah, I mean, back in the good old days when cigarettes didn't kill you. (laughs) 
back in the good old day when Gatorade was just mercury. Yeah. Back in the good old days when Coke actually contained cocaine. <laughs> yeah, these guys were uh they were they were a different breed. They were uh their blood ran as thick as gunpowder and uh they were but 14 of 18 to lose. You get four of those games, you come away with a win, but you're playing 18 games in 9 days. Can you can you could you have expected yeah, better? They played the Dodgers, the Phillies, the Giants, and the Cubs. They go two and two against the Dodgers, one and three against the Phillies, zero oh and eight against the Giants. So I guess they played two series worth of double headers uh, with the Giants. Go zero oh and eight, and then During they split this the run. They had four double headers against the Giants. Ridiculous! My That's goodness! Just, yeah, I, I, I can't. I, I can't imagine you know, how, how things would go if they tried to do this today. You'd have guys, uh, with the exception of Freddie Freeman, I guess, the, I don't want time off. Um, <laughs> have guys just with limbs falling off. Yeah. I don't, oh, I don't the know. best was, speaking of which, did you see the, uh, the report from LA the other day when, when apparently three players had to go in for MRIs and I forget who the players were, but they named the first two of them and said that the third was a mystery player. Oh, so, boy. of course, Braves fans found that and said, oh, so it's definitely Freddie Freeman. <laughs> He's fine with time off in L.A. <laughs> like, fine, I'll go get the that. MRI, but don't tell anybody I did. And you, and Dave, you, I swear to God, if you take me out of the lineup today. <laughs> yeah, that one's, uh, that one's something. Our... Our, uh, how do I put this? Our Braves Twitter bunch, you know, my voice that I picture for them when I read their tweets, uh, the voice in my head that I'm reading their tweets in is Patrick Starr. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's perfect. Because <laughs> it's just, you know, That's it, absolutely it works. perfect. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I couldn't imagine, you know, 18 <laughs> games in nine days nowadays. Um, All right. Well, at least we wouldn't have a day off. Wouldn't have a day off, yeah. You know, what do you do? Okay, but here's my thing. Off, off, the, off days on on Braves Twitter are just the absolute worst. Something. So give me, give me nine double headers in a row. Yeah, if you're if you're the main character of a Braves off day, you're just you, you might as well just delete your account. Yep, we have the time. My question is, if you schedule, I mean, if you know you're about to play nine consecutive double headers, eighteen games in nine days. If you already have that on the schedule, A, because the fact the, the website doesn't tell, but A, what circumstances created the situation where you have to play nine doubleheaders, uh, you know, 18 games in nine days? And B, what would have happened if one of those games for darkness or rain or whatever else had to have been moved? You know, do you call up the Phillies and say, hey, we got to push our set of doubleheaders back or it's just. That's something that I would like to. I'll have to look into this more and uh, and figure that yeah, out. Yeah, that would be interesting. Maybe it was like the the rainiest summer in, in history or something. <laughs> it had to have been. All right. Our next fact comes from September 4th, 2002. In front of 55,528 fans at the Coliseum, the A's set an American League record by extending their winning streak to 20 consecutive games. After blowing an 11-run lead to the Royals, Scott Hatterberg. Uh, otherwise known as Chris Pratt. It's a walk-off home run in the bottom of the ninth inning, giving Oakland the historic victory by a score of 12 to 11. Man, I, 
I think the the coolest thing about that is the fact that there were almost 56,000 fans there for a baseball game. And it's at the same time, it's super depressing, though, to see like what the Oakland brass has done over the years. And and, like if they could just field a halfway decent team, they could fill up any stadium in the world. Like they have fantastic fans. Just, but just a joke of a stadium and ownership that won't spend money. Well, I mean, there were those the, that run of probably two or three years where the A's made the playoffs consistently. Back when they had, you know, Josh Donaldson and and all those guys. Where you know, one of the best wild card games ever was that Royals A's wild card game, and I think like what twenty fourteen yeah, fifteen. That was a ridiculous game. So the A's, they're they're not you know, terribly far removed from being relevant. But now the most relevant thing about the A's is when we see stuff on Twitter about their fans getting nasty in the stands. Did you see that? Yeah. I, yeah. Um, was... No, I, I actually didn't see that. You missed? Oh, boy. You got to – I'll have to find the video and send it to you. But, like, the 400 levels down the left field lines, there were uh, there were two fans – uh, enjoying oh, more that one. Baseball. Oh, that yeah, one. Ah, yeah, yeah. uh, yes. Ah, yeah. uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it, just, it just sucks that that's all we see of the A's now. That dude's on basis percentage was unbelievable. Oh God, he hit a he hit a he hit a uh, round tripper on that one, didn't he? <laughs> Inside the Parker. <laughs> he was coming around third and getting the wave. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'm, now I'm picturing Ron Washington there giving him the window. I'm about to say that cigarette sticking out of his mouth, uh, a glass oh, yeah. of wild turkey in hand. Yeah, no. Get home, uh, young buck. Come on, young buck. Keep on. And only ninety more feet. <laughs> I like how we turned Ron Washington into some crotchety like old redneck on his front porch. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't know where that came from. Oh boy, that one's fun though. That uh, I know it's you know the whole can't be romantic about baseball thing, but that scene in Moneyball is one of the best and most well done uh, scenes in any movie ever. Oh, absolutely. That I mean, the movie was just great. I, I don't, yeah. I and I don't even care how much how many liberties they took with the writing of that movie. It was just it was so well done. It was fantastic. That, that movie, the first time I ever saw it, me and my dad, uh, when it first came out, we ordered it on pay-per-view on DirecTV and stayed up till like 1 a.m. watching it. And that movie, nice. from that night on, I pretty much decided I'm going to go to college and get a degree in something relevant and be a sports GM or an agent or something. And then I got to college and realized – you got to go to law school for that. And then I said, you know what? Maybe I'll, uh, I'll find something else. <laughs> that I'll might like. not be for me. Yeah, I remember you know. that it's completely off topic, but I also remember the, the first movie uh, my dad and I ordered on pay-per-view and stayed up late to watch. Um, <laughs> it was the first PG-13 movie I was ever allowed to watch. I think I was Ooh. like eight years old at the time. <laughs> it was Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Yes! Let's go. Dude, I <laughs> I've I've never laughed so hard in my life. Like that that kind of comedy, that era of comedy was just perfect for my generation. Like 100%. We, 
we went all in on that goofy Jim Carrey, Adam Sandler stuff. Anything <laughs> they touched, I had to see. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just picture Jim Carrey running through the jungle with three uh, tranquilizer darts sticking out of his neck and shoulder <laughs> and everywhere else. <laughs> I'm picturing best. him trying to squeeze his way out of a, a rhino's backside. <laughs> That's, oh man, that's, that's the scene. That's the movie making scene. Oh yeah, I mean those those movies. Are, that's the kind of stuff we don't get anymore. And you know whether it's the the cultural there's shift. Not, yeah, there's or, not a lot of super goofy comedy out there. No, and what is goofy is just too. It, it's so goofy, it's annoying. It's not goofy to the point that it's funny, like Adam Sandler and Chris Farley and Jim Carrey were it's and you know Dan Aykroyd and Dana Carvey and the whole nine yards like all those guys Mike Myers they were funny they were goofy but they were funny now the people that are goofy are just it just makes you cringe and it's annoying is that because I, I can't ask you this but is that because we're older <laughs> one of us is like 85 the other one's 22 <laughs> Oh, yes, even just, at 22, you're older than you used to be. Damn it! Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, how, how did it feel? Uh, let me just let know. me just let me just lay this all out there for you guys. Um, I have a little bit of a confession to make. I I have a bit of a of a Leonardo DiCaprio streak going. So, <laughs> um, while Cam was much much younger than me, he just got to an age where you know I didn't I didn't see it working on the show anymore. I just yeah, I had to go on. younger. Yeah, I mean, you know, you gotta you gotta keep fresh talent in here, and and I just want to know, you know, the fact that we just talked about uh, the the A's winning their twentieth straight game happened in two thousand two, and I'm just wondering from your perspective, how exciting was that that you got to share it with all your fellow residents of the nursing home? Oh, <laughs> it's like Cam never left. Me and Donahue were tapping our canes against the floor so hard. <laughs> Woo! Yeah! Yeah! Man, Billy Bean, maybe Don't you have more facts? <laughs> I do have more facts. Oh, that one was, that was fun, though. All right, let's see if I can do this like Cam. All right, there we go. Our next Our fact. Our next fact. Yeah, yeah, oh, I missed it. Our next fact comes from September 7th, 2008 and 2009. Buckle in for this one. In 2008, September 7th, 2008, the Pirates lose their 82nd game uh, by an 11-6 score to the Giants at AT AT&T Park, ensuring the club will endure their 16th consecutive losing season. The streak equals the mark established by the 1933-48 Phillies for the longest skid in the history of professional sports. So they've already posted the longest streak, 16 straight years of losing seasons, and followed it up in 2009 on the exact same day, the exact same game to that point in the season. The Pirates become the first baseball franchise in history to post a losing record for 17 consecutive seasons when the team drops a 4-2 decision to the Cubs at PNC Park. The dubious streak, which dates back to 1993, surpasses the Phillies' skid from 33 to 48. And the fact that they did that in the first place, 17 straight losing seasons, but to do it uh, on the same day in back-to-back seasons is just, it, it's like they planned it. 
it's I'm going to say the, the same thing about the Pirates that I said about the Athletics. It is such it is such a shame that that they can't put uh, a a good baseball team on the field in in Pittsburgh because 100%. that fan base is is rabid. They are yeah. crazy. I was fortunate enough to live there for a couple of years when they were actually pretty good, and and they were like the stadium was packed daily. Like look at look at Steelers fans. Like they are you can't go anywhere in the world without running into a Steelers fan. And look at how small of a city Pittsburgh is. It's a town of like two million people. Yeah. And they're I mean, they're they're passionate about all their sports. Uh, you know, the penguins too, and and PNC Park, it's a disservice not only to uh to See, and that's the leg up they have on the athletics is the athletics have to play in in Oakland Coliseum. It's terrible. Yeah. And but the, meanwhile I mean, the, the Pirates have the best stadium in the league. Yeah. They're they're playing in the Tahiti of ballparks and, and delivering a uh you know Aniston Alabama product. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really uh a local reference, but you, you those of you, you that know. know will get it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, speaking of which, I, I was actually surprised not to see you at the Braves game today. Why is that? Like, well, I, I mean, of all days, I thought today would be the day that you would go to the Braves game. Um, it was, it was Auburn Day. Oh my God. <sighs> <laughs> I'm leaving the group chat again. <laughs> That's just going to start problems. So for those who might not know, Tyler hails from LaGrange, Georgia, which is about a stone's throw away from Auburn, Alabama. Oh, God. I can spit from my back porch to Auburn, which is the only thing anybody should ever do to Auburn. <laughs> and, of course, Tyler's a big Alabama fan. What? Don't mislead the people. Oh shit! You're a Georgia fan. <laughs> oh my god! I, I, I was thinking to myself, "There's no way he actually thinks that," but you did, didn't you? I, for for a split second, I did. Damn it! Now I really do have to leave the group chat. Yeah, sorry. Oh, it was fun man. having you. Oh yeah, and I don't know. I don't know about that one. Oh man, that is. Tyler, we we got any more facts? We have two more. All right. Our next fact comes from September 9th, 2020. This is a, a game that we'll all remember fondly. The Braves, shut out in the previous day's contest, set the modern National League record for runs scored in a game when the team beats the Marlins at Truist Park 29-9. Atlanta, fueled by 23 hits, including seven homers, falls one run short of tying the Major League mark established by the Rangers in 2007 when they tallied 30 times against the Orioles to surpass the franchise mark set in 1957. That game was a lot I of fun. remember it like it was yesterday. That like was, it was crazy. Yesterday. It was it was one of those that like I think I might have turned it off for a couple of innings cuz it just looked like a regular laugher. Um <laughs> like like a 9 to 1 game or something like that, nothing too crazy, but then I, I'd flip back and every time I would flip back, they would have tacked on like four or five more runs. Yeah, and and all of a sudden they were in the twenties, and I'm like, well, now I gotta watch every second of this. 
Well, I remember that day, you know, you ever have that feeling where maybe sometimes your phone's not even in your pocket, but you feel it buzzing in your pocket as if it was there. That day, my phone is in my pocket and it just keeps, every two seconds, it seemed like it was going with a score update. I'm like, oh my God, what is going on? I thought I had accidentally subscribed to get scoring notifications (laughs) from the whole league. Oh man, that one was fun. In a sixty-game season, if you score twenty-nine games in a, in one game, that's got to be like what ten percent of your runs for the season. Yeah, <laughs> they, they. I mean, with a game like that, suddenly you're flirting with putting up what looks like a regular number of runs for the season. Yeah, you got a a football score. Uh, let's see. Our next fact comes from September 10th, 1985. Uh, Keith Hernandez receives a two minute standing ovation from the Mets fans in his first game back at Shea stadium. After testifying in a Pittsburgh courtroom, the New York first baseman who responds with a run producing single against his former team, admitting on the witness stand to spitting on Cosmo Kramer. What? (laughs) <laughs> oh, this was from. Oh, uh. <laughs> no. you got me. He, he, you he actually, got me. He admitted to having used cocaine while playing for the Cardinals, but I thought the spitting on Kramer thing was a little more fun. <laughs> a little, a little lighter, if nothing else. Okay, but but I mean the the Seinfeld reference was hilarious, but <laughs> let's also point out that he just said that the New York Mets crowd gave Keith Hernandez a two-minute standing ovation shortly after he had admitted on a witness stand to doing cocaine. Oh, God. Can you imagine? Like, only the Mets fans. Only Mets fans. Only Mets fans. I don't even think Ryan Vaughn got a good reception when he came back to the Brewers after the whole steroid thing. Right. And you I mean, remember Marcelo's reaction when he came back to the team? It wasn't oh, great. God. No. And rightfully so. But Keith Hernandez is in there. Great, even with him hitting. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we're, we're booing Marcelo Zuna over at DUI, which is deserved. But Keith Hernandez has to wait two minutes to, to step into the batter's box because he's getting a standing ovation for admitting to using crack. <laughs> awesome. Just a, uh, just a, the. the the differences between Atlanta and New York. A high morals fan base right there. Yes, yes, that's us. Well, that is it for this week in baseball history. Alex, uh, what do you say we talk about the past week for the Braves? Let's do it. <laughs> All right, when we last spoke, unfortunately, Cam and I were living through a loss to the Cardinals in real time. So that series ended up with a series loss, lost two straight to the Cardinals uh, before coming home for a series with the Rockies that that really looked like an opportunity to sweep. Unfortunately, first game didn't go as we had planned. Uh, Jose Urania got the start for the Rockies. He went five innings, allowing six hits, two earned runs, striking out six. Max Freed uh, went for the Braves and went five innings with two earned runs, three strikeouts, and seven hits. So a solid outing for Max, but not not the the world-beating uh, Max Freed that we're quite all used to. Um, 
the uh, the Braves started the scoring with uh, uh, Dansby Swanson RBI double, um, and then R- Eddie Rosario in the third inning comes back and hits another RBI double. Braves up two to nothing. Unfortunately, that was the end of the scoring for the Braves, and the Rockies were able to get those get three runs off of Freed, two of those earned. Game ends three to two. At this point, the Braves have lost three in a row and are losing ground to the Mets. So we need something to turn around quick. And luckily, we got back to the uh, to the ballpark on Wednesday uh, with Kyle Wright on the mound. He goes seven innings, allowing five hits, no earned runs, uh, six strikeouts, walked two. Uh, he was up against Feltner, who went five and two-thirds, allowing five hits, three earned runs, striking out seven and walking three. We did get a massive bomb from Austin Riley, and Ronald Acuna Jr. looked to break out of his uh, his homerless streak a little bit there. Got one from him as well. Braves end up winning the game 3-2. to two. Jansen coming in and then getting the save despite allowing uh, a couple of runners and a couple of runs. Can we just talk about Kyle Wright? Yes, please. Because <laughs> it seems like, and I mean, I know there are plenty of other players in the in the league that, uh, you know, major media, sports media have to cover, but it seems like Kyle Wright doesn't get enough love. He's just been no. lights out. No, and, and it's, things are working out kind of magically for Kyle Wright this season because, like, it's, it's one thing to go out there and be a great pitcher. It, it's another thing for for the team behind you when you're pitching uh, to produce as well. Kyle Wright gets a lot of run support, and he he seems to take that every time and run with it. And that's why we're looking at a guy who's who's at or near the top of the league and wins. He's 17 and 5, and we got a month to go. Yeah, and he's started 17 – or I'm sorry, he started 25 games this year, so he's – you know, eight games short of to to have won seventeen of your of twenty five starts, to me is just outrageous. He's uh he struck out a hundred. I'm just sort of glancing at it now. He struck out a hundred and fifty batters in hundred and fifty four innings. That's crazy. It's ridiculous. I love. And I, I mean, I, to your point I, I, about run support, who would have thought one year ago today? Who would have thought we would be sitting here having this conversation about Kyle Wright? about Kyle Wright exactly if you had told me it would be about you know Max Fried or somebody not that he's not having a, an, an awesome season but when you have a guy like Kyle Wright it just the importance of a guy like Kyle Wright can't be overstated and to your point earlier about run support we spent all these years watching Julio Tehran with the exception of his last couple years but we watched all these years of Julio Tehran pitching very very well being very effective he was just a good pitcher for a lot of years, and it seemed like every single start, it, it was as if the Braves' bats just turned. It, there was a switch, and they just turned off. And yeah. you know, they they got cold every fifth day for Julio. And to see you know a young pitcher, Kyle Wright's what 25, 26, yeah. something like yeah. that. To see a, a young pitcher pitching at the level that he is and can actually get some run support, it's just it's it's really fun. And I mean, looking at the the Braves rotation as a whole, Charlie Morton is your team leader in strikeouts with 175 strikeouts. He's your fourth starter. And he had a rough, rough first half. He, he had a really rough patch to start the season. 
he's he's I without looking at it, I'm gonna go ahead and say Charlie Morton's gotta be the best number four starter in the league. Yeah. And I mean like with, me without and, question. Me and Bobby were talking like about how it. many how many teams would actually have a difficult decision to make on who your three man rotation would be going into the postseason? Yeah. Like I, are, like if you're the if you're if you're the Braves, if you're Brian Snicker, are you gonna look at Charlie Morton in a best of five series and say, sorry, we don't need you? Yeah. <laughs> no. I, I mean I mean, yes, probably at this point you are, but just the notion of that is insane. He's gonna have to uh there are gonna be a couple guys where Snit's just gonna have to uh, sit down with names on paper and do a coin toss to see who he's gonna go with. Yeah, like as as much as Charlie may have struggled this season, like he's still putting up a pretty good season. His ERA is pretty much four on the dot. It's it's not great. It's not terrible. He's he's striking out a load of batters. He's really eaten up innings. And and we know this is a guy with with big game postseason experience. Yep, I was so just about to say that. It, it, it's the that's that's the thing that gets me. Like like yeah, he hasn't looked incredible this season. But he's still a postseason guy. Like, right. how do you look at that and not want to put him out there? And you and I had talked about it earlier in the season, probably late May ish. Uh, you and I talked for a minute, and we talked about how you know we're both willing to sacrifice 162 games of Charlie being subpar Charlie if it means that by October he's locked in. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I, I, I think that's probably how it went down. Yeah. I mean, I'm fine with that. I'll take it. Absolutely. So circling back the Braves win game two of the Rockies series three to two snap the losing skid at three games and look to right the ship. We have a rubber match against the Rockies on, uh, on Thursday of last week. Uh, and we had Spencer Strider on the mound, and boy, did we have Spencer Strider on the mound. <laughs> um, guys, uh, if if you blinked, you might have missed this game because it felt like it was over in about an hour and a half. Um, I, I don't think my eyes have ever witnessed um, a, a more dominant start for the Braves. Am I, am I being too hyperbolic here, Tyler? I don't think so. And it, the question that I came away with from this game, because I, you know, I'm, um, what do you want to call it? Inquisitive. Uh, I, I came away with from this game with one question in my head, and that is, are Spencer Strider and Michael Harris going to work out some sort of custody agreement with the Rookie of the Year trophy? Like, <laughs> you know, Spencer gets it on the weekends, Harris gets it during the week. It, we're going to have to figure We've something out. We've been talking out. about that a lot on the broadcast, and like, it's, it's it's funny because whenever uh, whenever Moylan's in there, it's it's Strider without a doubt, and whenever <laughs> Jeff Francois in there, it's got to be Michael Harris. Yeah, no, it's uh, but anyway, it's... Strider goes eight full innings, allowing only two hits, no runs, no earned runs, no walks, sixteen strikeouts. <laughs> Good God, people! Unreal. <laughs> he pay, he faced twenty four batters and struck out sixteen of them. When Good you're God. in when you're in the headline 
the day after a game and and you're sharing a headline with Kerry Wood, you've done something yep. right. Yep. Spencer Strider with those 16 strikeouts sets an Atlanta era Braves record, uh, surpassing I believe it was John Smoltz with 15. He did. He had 15 twice, didn't he? Uh, I believe so. I think. I, I like think I the that. only. I think Necro was the only one with more, uh, but did it in Milwaukee and had 18. Right. And yet that's not... Suddenly, we have a guy on the Braves who who wouldn't surprise me if he went out there and broke Necro's record. No. Like, like, what Striders... This, this guy's a kid, man. Like, he's going to get better, and that's weird to say. How could he get better? He is less than a year older than me. <laughs> and and to me, like, I just, what have I done with my life? You know, <laughs> <laughs> this guy, he's out here, he's a year older than me, and he's striking out 16 batters in a Major League Baseball game. Why aren't your thighs the circumference of truck tires? I can't even grow a mustache. <laughs> Uh, I can, but I shouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. But anyway, uh, uh, Kenley Jansen comes in to get the save for Strider. Uh, Braves win three to nothing. Kenley Jansen, another guy I want to talk about, uh, had a perfect inning out there. Didn't strike anybody out, but retired the side on eight pitches. The a really encouraging stress-free outing from from Kenley Jansen here because he had been looking pretty iffy leading up to this yeah yeah uh like to see him that you hit the nail on the head saying stress-free because it, it felt like specifically the cardinals game from last saturday uh yeah. it it seemed like he was and it's something we've never seen from kenley before it seemed like he was afraid to attack hitters and it just he was he well was it, it seemed like he lost his cutter is uh, like it 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 seemed like he was a sinker slider closer and that's kind of scary yeah and it, it just to see him sort of you know get his mojo back and and pitch with some confidence and it, stress-free is is the perfect characterization of, for, of how for just been. a minute there it felt like we had will smith from from last regular season <laughs> back yeah. and i mean that like, it's, yeah it's they might go out and get the save but they're gonna give you a freaking heart attack trying to do it yeah, they, they there's no uh, no anticlimactic finishes to a game. Now, but we got that one. So we took the series from the Rockies, and we have started ourselves a new winning streak with the Marlins coming to town for the Friday, Saturday, Sunday series. First game of the series, we had Sandy Al- Alcantara on the mound for the Marlins and Charlie Morton on the mound for the Braves. Charlie Morton goes five and two-thirds, allowing four hits, one earned run, walked two, struck out seven. The story of the day here, though, was was Sandy Alcantara um, because he was not pitching poorly. I, I want to emphasize that. Sandy Alcantara was not pitching poorly and I still believe should probably win the Cy Young this year. But he goes five innings, allowing seven hits, six earned runs, walked one, and only struck out three. And I think that is a testament to what this Braves offense is and and what they can be uh, on a postseason run. Yeah, uh, cue the uh, Jared Carabas tweet. You know the one I'm talking about. 
Yeah. This brave <laughs> this Braves lineup. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, but yes, we had uh, we we had a parade of homers. Uh, two from Travis Darno. Uh, one from Austin Riley, one from uh, Michael Harris the second, and one from Vaughn Grissom. An absolute uh, nuke from Vaughn Grissom. Oh yeah, he, he just tagged that one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so had a had had good outings from our bullpen as well. Colin McHugh, Jesse Chavez, who is now a Brave again, and Rysel Iglesias combined for three three and a third innings, allowing only one hit, striking out four. Uh, and not allowing any earned runs. So so great uh, great effort out of the bullpen there. And that's something that we need to discuss. The Braves this week, after Jesse Chavez had been DFA'd by the uh, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim of Los Angeles, California. Um, <laughs> uh, the Braves put the waiver claim on Jesse Chavez and get him back. And he remembered how to baseball. My, my favorite thing that I've seen in stats this season are Jesse Chavez's team by team stats. <laughs> uh, I think he I think he pitched like like six total innings for the Cubs and had like a like a five ERA for them. Uh, he he went to the Angels, pitched like twenty innings, had like a six or seven ERA for them. He's pitched like forty innings with the Braves and he has an ERA below two. <laughs> Can we can we be 100? Can we completely what? rule out the possibility that uh, that last year Alex wrote into his contract that hey, we're going to trade you, but you have to suck so that we can bring you back. So uh, essentially, what this does is is shine a little more light on the trade that the Braves pulled off with with the uh, <laughs> with the Angels earlier in the season. The Braves traded Jesse Chavez and Tucker Davidson to the Angels in exchange for Rysel Iglesias. Well, they got Jesse Chavez back, so they really traded Jesse Chavez and Tucker Davidson for Rysel Iglesias and Jesse Chavez. <laughs> the Los Angeles Angels, otherwise known as Braves West. Yes, Braves West. <laughs> <laughs> and, and when and I will say that when I DM'd uh, when I DM'd Tucker uh, after he got traded, he uh, I, he he was pretty excited to uh, to hook back up with Tukey out there in LA. Yeah, I, I, you like to see that. If he has to go, uh, you know, you'd like to see him go somewhere where he can. Uh, you know, he and, and Tukey and, seem to have always been buds. So I'm, I'm and, glad. That and honestly, like that he hasn't, he hasn't had the best of luck out there in LA, but he's in he a rotation has. with Shohei Otani. And how many, <laughs> how, how many chances in life do you have to say that I saw <laughs> who will possibly be the greatest player of all time? How fun would it be if they're, uh, if they're sharing our rotation in a few years? That would be fantastic. <laughs> Oh man, I that the the sweepstakes for Shohei Otani if he hits the open market, it, I I can't even imagine what kind of numbers are going to get thrown around. No, it's going to offer him like twenty years and a billion dollars. <laughs> just, Could just we see our first ever billion dollar contract? Yeah, like like just just sign as a Yankee for life. We'll give you a billion dollars. Yeah, <laughs> just do it. Well, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is making his contract is worth five hundred million dollars. So I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for Shohei Otani to get north of 
you know, at least 450 you know, I mean, if he hits the market. As as crazy as it sounds to say out loud, like, you know, salaries increase over time and, and contracts increase over time. And right now we're seeing three and four hundred million dollars handed out to, to all of the best players in the league. Right. You know, in our lifetimes, we might see a billion dollar deal go down. It's it's very possible. I it it's something that God, it's gonna it's gonna blow my mind when it happens because even when I was a little kid, I was thinking, "Wow, he's making eighteen million dollars to play baseball." But right. when it happens, right. you and know, it, event, eventually, maybe like like in twenty fifty five, someone's gonna be making a hundred million dollars a year to play baseball. Oh God, it's just it's unreal. It, 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 it the everybody you know talks down on the live tour but at some point all sports will be handing out the same amount of cash as the live tour yeah it's crazy um but anyway braves win that game eight to one and it was a fun one so we come back the next day looking for more of the same uh we had uh bryce elder on the mound against edward cabrera elder called up to uh to take the rotation spot of Jaco to Rizzi, who uh, who I guess was feeling some discomfort of some sort. I, I didn't see a, a report on what was going on with him. Um, but Bryce Elder, good Lord, man. Six innings pitched, two hits, walked two, struck out six, no earned runs. What on earth more could you ask from a call-up? You can get your Respect Your Elder t-shirts at teespring.com slash chatting average. Teespring.com slash store slash chatting average podcast. Forgive Tyler. Forgive Tyler. He's new here. Uh, I mean, yeah, I tried. <laughs> well, we appreciate it. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, like, it, you just you just never see minor leaguers called up and 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 get production from right away like that. You don't see it. It doesn't happen. So Bryce Elder's a real anomaly for the Braves. <laughs> yeah, he's a. Uh... <laughs> The only one I can remember in recent memory. <laughs> it's 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 like ever it's like once a month we have we have some rookie come up and, and just light the world on fire. And, it's stupid. and who's that gonna be in next uh, month? Um I uh who who was who was our dead last draft pick this year? Yeah. That guy's gonna come that guy's gonna come up guy. and hit five hundred for two months. <laughs> World Series MVP, that guy. <laughs> um, so uh, Austin Riley started the scoring off in the fourth with a home run to left that traveled 439 feet, giving the Braves a one to nothing lead. Uh, unfortunately, when we get to the ninth, Kenley Jansen comes in, and after he, he must have known we were going to gush about his previous performance on here um, because we had another one of those 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 bad outings from Kenley. Um <sighs> Kenley goes two-thirds of an inning, allowing two hits, one earned run, and a walk. Doesn't strike anybody out on 24 pitches. Really not what you want to see from Kenley. He was struggling to find his cutter again, um, which is frankly terrifying, uh, as close as we are to the postseason. Um, So the run that Kenley allowed tied the game up at one, but we come back in the ninth. Some guy named Okert is pitching for the Marlins, and decides to walk everybody. Okay. Uh, Matt, Matt Olson gets on base. Uh, Vaughn Grissom gets on base. Michael Harris gets on base. Robbie Grossman draws the walk, the walk-off walk, 
that wins the game. Braves win two to one. Now He's on a four-game winning streak. He is gross, <laughs> man. Uh, he is so gross, man. Um, <laughs> I, I just, I love, I, I, I love the games where whoever's pitching to the Braves in the ninth just completely loses it. And the first thing I thought of when I saw that game was uh, Alex Reyes pitching for the St. Louis Cardinals against the Braves. Um, I believe it was in the NLDS a couple of years ago. Uh, or, or no, it was regular season last year. Just walked everybody. Everybody walked like six guys in a row. <laughs> I think he walked in like three runs. It was great. You get a base. You get a base. You get a base. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm sitting on my couch just laughing hysterically. <laughs> no, I, uh, I, I, Alex Anthopoulos is either he's got great talent evaluators around him or he's just a wizard because Robbie Grossman goes from Detroit. And granted, you know, nobody's going to be uh, just a, a superstar in Detroit, but Robbie Grossman has what little, what little he's played for the Braves, he's been great. And, and it's sort of, he has complimented the dip in Matt Olson's uh, hitting since Pittsburgh. Since Matt Olson hit the Grand Slam in Pittsburgh, not that he's just completely, you know, fallen off the face of the planet, but he hasn't been as hot as he was uh, previously. And Robbie Grossman has somewhat. Uh, I, I think you know, he's up a little he's, bit of slack. Uh, looking at his line today, he did draw three walks, so give the guy credit for that. But I'll take uh, it. he was yeah. he was he was zero for two otherwise, which I think me- makes him. Oh, for his last 23, which is like great that you can draw walks and get on base. I'm good with that. Like if you're an on base guy when you're not hitting, cool. I'm good with that. But we got to get more production out of a guy that we're we're hitting in our cleanup spot. Yeah, Um, but we uh, we come back for the Sunday game against the Marlins. Uh, The final game of the series against them. And it is getaway day for the Braves. And it is a day game. So we really had everything working against us here. Pablo Lopez got the start for the Marlins. Went four innings, allowing five hits, two earned runs, one walk and seven strikeouts. Max Freed was on fire today. He went five innings, allowing no hits. No earned runs. Walked one, but struck out six. You may ask yourself, self, why was Max Freed pitching so well and only completing five innings? Well, it was an hour and 51-minute rain delay after the fifth inning. Uh, and unfortunately, he wasn't able to, to, uh, to survive that and come back in. Luckily, we have a guy named Jesse Chavez on the team. It's this the same for Max, for him. The, the... It, was, it was great. On like I, I was, I went to the game, came home during the rain delay because it was a long rain delay, and I'm listening on the radio. And when they picked the broadcast back up, the players weren't on the field yet. But Joe Simpson says, "I just know that Jesse Chavez is in there throwing a ball <laughs> against the wall right now." <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, when they came out, Jesse Chavez is on the hill. He goes two innings, allowing one hit and striking out three. So yet another fantastic outing for Jesse Chavez. Uh, Colin McHugh had a little bit of a rough go of it, but uh, did a good job to fight his way out of trouble, only allowing one run. Uh, and Kirby Yates comes in for the ninth inning, gives us a, uh, a clean ninth. And the Braves end up winning 7-1. to one. Uh, we, got a, we got a home run from Marcelo Zeno. 
Um, we had uh, we had a big uh, RBI double from Ronald Acuna. Uh, another one from Vaughn Grissom, who's just been on a tear. Uh, Braves win seven to one, five games in a row. Mets lost on Sunday as well, so the Braves are only one game behind in the NL East. I, I hate it for Max. It, it's game. a it's a shame for him that the the rain did have to start. He was I, he was hitless through five innings. I mean he yeah. he was working a no hitter and on the on the TV broadcast right before and I mean the pitch the pitch before the rain started falling. Uh, Jeff Francoeur says you know it, it'd be nice to get a double play here and get out of this and make this game official. The very next pitch. Max gets a double play. Uh, yep, and it was just it was a very well worked double play. Dansby had to have some trust in uh, in Matt Olson to get back and cover first, but just it couldn't have been any more perfect. And I, I'm not going to lie to you, I turned the game off at that point because I'm thinking it's monsooning there, it's monsooning at my house. They're not restarting this game. Both of these teams are, are leaving. It's tomorrow. an official right. game if they decide to call it. Yeah, so I, I had zero faith that they would uh they would restart that game especially with both teams uh you know going on the road i just realized this as we were talking now while i have never been fortunate enough to be at a game for a no hitter uh i have now attended two games in which braves pitchers completed five innings without allowing a hit so maybe and that was this and ian anderson in game three of the world series Maybe you should just try the whole like eighty-two games a year or eighty-one games a year thing. And if you want to contribute to that, you can go to patreon.com <laughs> slash chatting <laughs> Oh god, no, that one's Oh man, but uh but yeah, so the Braves end the week great. We are on a hot streak and we have a few more winnable games ahead of us because we are going straight from here to Oakland. We've got Kyle Wright on the mound for game one against Cole Irvin, which will be on Tuesday, a 9.40 p.m. start. So someone tell me how the last few innings of that one go. <laughs> uh, and then we on Wednesday, we have another odd one, a 3.37 p.m. start. And we're going to have Spencer Strider on the hill going up against uh, um, another name I'm going to absolutely butcher, Ken Waldachuk. Ken Waldachuk. Let's take a look at Ken Waldachuk. Uh, He has a 193 ERA. Mm. Only four and two thirds innings on the year. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was. So, Ken's first four and two thirds innings in in the majors have have been incredible. Um, (laughs) And uh, I don't know, but uh, I I don't like seeing hot rookie pitchers. So, that's a scary one. No, and with a name like Waldachuk, if you if you if you suck with a name like Waldachuk, you're doing something. Yeah, oh right. no, fans are gonna have fun with that. <laughs> All right, from Oakland, we travel north to Seattle. On Friday, we've got a 9:40 start with Charlie Morton facing off with tight pants himself, Mr. Robbie Ray. <laughs> On Saturday, we've got a 9:10 p.m. start. Uh, with George Kirby going for the Mariners and an open slot for the Braves. Sunday will be a 4-10 start with Max Freed up on the hill against Marco Gonzalez. So we've got two against the A's, 
three against the Mariners. Uh, Tyler, what do you need to see in terms of win-loss? Is it unreasonable to say, what, 5-0? and oh? I, It's not unreasonable. I'm, I'm I just, shouldn't expect I'm, it. I'm always scared of uh, pitchers whose names I don't know. And, yeah. <laughs> and we faced several of them this week. Um, just get me, get me four and one, get me four I'll and take one. It. I'll take it. Cause I, it, you know, not to, not that I, this is in no way to, uh, to, you know, talk down the A's or the Mariners. They're both teams that, you know, I don't have a problem with, especially the Mariners. They're fun. They're sort of in the same boat for me as the Orioles. They're just a team that, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing them make their way into the playoffs somehow, but at this point, you know, it's hard to know, but those are five very winnable games that you got to, you know, like you said, at least give me four and one, um, you know, well, you, there's no, ex- here's, here's why we might need five and oh, uh, we might need five and oh, because I just pulled up the New York Mets schedule for the upcoming week. Uh, and they start on Monday, uh, a three game series at Pittsburgh. Um, game to look out for there would be the Tuesday game because they've got Jacob deGrom on the hill and old friend Bryce Wilson will be starting for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, so hopefully he can do us a favor in that one. From Pittsburgh, they travel to Miami um, and are missing Sandy Alcantara. So uh, the, Mets are, the Mets are on a stretch of games uh, against we got three at the Pirates, three at Miami, uh, four against, or sorry, three against Chicago in New York, and then four against Pittsburgh in New York. Yeah, oh God! Is, and then they go to and then they go to Milwaukee and Oakland. Yeah, there was there was something I saw the other day. Uh, I forgot where, forgot who uh, said it, but it was a tweet that basically explained that the Mets have the easiest remaining schedule in the league. And, you know, it's as much as the Mets fans have spent the entire season talking about how, Oh, the Braves are playing cupcakes left and right. Right. The, the home stretch of their schedule is going to be the easiest in the league. And I, I just gird your loins folks. Yeah, I was, I, (laughs) <laughs> Look, I was scared after they took the series from the from the Dodgers last week, but then they went and <laughs> lost the series to the Nationals. So I don't yeah. know. Like this team is capable of beating anybody, and they're also capable of losing to anybody. So yeah. it'll be very interesting to see how this goes. Um, in September, uh, they play Pittsburgh, Miami, Chicago, Milwaukee, Oakland. And then on the last day of the month, they start a series here in Atlanta. So um, we we got to be we got to be big Pirates, Marlins, Cubs, uh, Brewers, and A's fans this month, guys. Those are the teams to look out for. And it could realistically come down to that last series that we have against them at the end of the month. It it, it you know obviously it would be uncomfortable if it came down to that, but. It, it there's it's a very real possibility that that could happen. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll we will keep a close eye on that, and you know we'll keep you posted every single week. But I have to remind you that today's episode of the Chatting Average Podcast is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. 
Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. A rising tide lifts all boats, so go check them out. Online or on social, go to sportsdrink.org or open up Instagram or Twitter and type in at S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. That's spelled like sports drink, just without the vowels. All we ask, Tyler, since 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 Cam's coming back next week, hopefully, just close the door behind you. We 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 can't let the funk out. Is that okay? We still got some. Good. Okay. Smell, yeah. We're good. <laughs> All right, guys. That is gonna do it for our baseball talk for the day. But before we go, we have to get to the voicemail line. As a reminder, you can call or text the Chatting Average podcast anytime at 404-919-1504. So that said, let's get into our voicemail line this week and see who we've got. Hey, Rick. Hey, Juice Daddy. So I was thinking that episode 101 is even more impressive than 100. So I was going to write you another poem, but then I saw that Cam got all big time and got his own new podcast, and now he's really nailing it in for chatting average. Doesn't really seem to care anymore. So I'll just ask you something else now. Um, since Atlanta invented the trumpet, can you please give me your top five songs featuring trumpets? Thank you. <laughs> uh, that is I, that's, a, that's a very important voicemail actually because somehow we got through this whole episode um without discussing trumpet gate oh god I just, um, so, <laughs> so the story behind this is that uh new york mets closer edwin diaz uses as his entrance music um what is it the 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 theme song from the TV show Narcos or something like that. Something like that. I just, uh, or I know that or the song is, yeah, either, either that or the guy or the song is just called Narcos, but either yeah. way, it's a song that features uh, a really like cool, intense trumpet. Um, well, William Contreras all season has also used that as his walk up music. Um, Mets fans uh, seem, seem a little upset. Uh, and think that we have ripped off their guy, despite the fact that they've both been using it this whole time. Um, and then the uh, the writer of the song came out and said that it was it was Edwin Diaz's song. So there's this whole this whole to do about about this song. Uh, well, at the game today, the the Braves game that is, uh, when we went on rain delay, they started showing the Mets Nationals game on the big screen. And as soon as the Nationals beat the Mets, what happened at Truist Park? They started playing Narcos over the loudspeaker. I love it. I love it. Um, but top five songs featuring trumpets. Um, I'm gonna have to take Mambo Number no. Five by Lou Vega for all of them. <laughs> and Alex, you stole the them. only song I can think of that has trumpet in it. <laughs> was that? Were you really gonna say that? <laughs> That's exactly what I was going with. <laughs> oh. oh man, oh, I love uh, it. I'll take, I'll take anything by Louis Armstrong. <laughs> That's such a cop out. <laughs> <laughs> any uh, let's, uh 
<laughs> if you're gonna do that, you have to name at least one Louis Armstrong song. Um, it's not necessarily <laughs> his song, but he did La Vie and Rose, and the trumpet in that one is just oh, dude, it'll it'll. Ooh, okay. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, so I'll I, take I, that I, one. I'll give you credit. I didn't think you could go that deep. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm a. I always feel like I was born about 30, 40 years too late because I'm more into stuff from long before me than I was, you know, I, I'm into stuff that was popular when you were about 60. Um, yeah. See, I feel like I was born way too early. What? Because all my joints hurt. <laughs> and I- <laughs> oh all right, guys. That's going to do it for this episode of the Chatting Average Podcast. For Tyler Knight, I'm Alex. We will see you all next week for another brand new episode. Bye. This has been the Chatting Average Podcast, brought to you by Sports Drink. Be sure to check out our merchandise store at teespring.com slash stores slash chatting average podcast. And please consider becoming a patron of our show at patreon.com slash chatting average. We'll see you next week for another brand new episode. <laughs>